I felt like I had something to prove. And because they, they were saying no, made me want to do it even more. And again, that's probably being young and naive, but I, I wanted to go for it. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank. Ben Berenger worked for Allstate Insurance before starting with Portland Glass. When the opportunity to buy a franchise of Rainbow International, which was managed by Portland Glass, came about, Ben jumped in, even though he was just 28 and told not to by multiple accountants. Ben is here to talk about this experience and how he simply refused to believe that he would fail, which led to his ultimate success. Thanks, Ben, for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Andrea. So give us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? I grew up in York. Maine, went to school there, York High, graduated York High School, and ended up going to USM for college. So what were you studying when you were at USM? Business with a marketing concentration. And what did your family do? What did your parents do for work while you were growing up? My parents owned a construction, a custom construction company. So my father built custom homes for people. My mother sort of ran the back office portion of it. And were you involved with that business at all? As much as I could be early on, kind of the gopher for my dad a lot. And he had me doing everything, you know, roofing to loading trash to helping, you know, learn how to do layout, all the fun stuff as a kid. Did you enjoy that? At the time, I, <laughs> it, it was, it was a job. I, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I did love it. I just didn't know that I loved it. Sure. So outside of the family business, what was your first job? Well, my father wanted to push me to have a job outside of, you know, the family aspect. Working for your dad can be, you know, just different. It's not, not as much real world. So my first job was washing dishes at a restaurant called The Lighthouse. Where's that? Is that in York? Right on the, the Kidder-York line. It is no longer there. So you went to uh, USM for business administration with a concentration in marketing. And then when you graduated, what did you end up doing? I ended up getting a job with an Allstate agent in Gorham that hired me for a little bit of the marketing slash sales side of things. And so you were kind of promoting her agency throughout Southern Maine? Yes, in a roundabout way, and then ended up just as a as an inside sales agent. Okay. Inside producer is what it's called, actually. So you were learning a little bit about the insurance industry and, and what that entailed. So how long were you with the Allstate agency? Three years. And then when you left there, where did you end up? I ended up going to Portland Glass. I, I saw an opportunity there. They originally hired me to do sales for all of Maine. And then... Portland Glass also managed a division of their parent company that was called Rainbow. Is that correct? Correct. Unbeknownst to me, they were secretly hiring me for Rainbow through Portland Glass. It's sort of a weird transition. It's the same parent company and Rainbow needed to show a presence in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. And obviously Portland Glass was well established in those areas. So they piggybacked off their locations, keeping the cost down. So. I was really hired for Rainbow through Portland Glass. Interesting. And what what is Rainbow? 
Rainbow International is a fire, water, mold cleanup. Basically, when bad things happen in two buildings, we come in and try and salvage and bring them back to life. So I'm wondering, sort of from the work that you had been doing with the Allstate agency, there must have been some sort of education or knowledge that you brought to it that was helpful in that realm. Yeah, again, I didn't know this, but they had sort of teed me up for that with my construction background and then knowing insurance or having a a decent grasp on insurance. I was kind of a perfect candidate for that position. They trained me on on glazing and changing windshields and and all that fun stuff. But also they wanted to piggyback the sales force with Rainbow. So it was basically a a way for them to bulk both their sales at, at one time and then transition mainly into Rainbow. How long were you working for Portland Glass slash Rainbow before you kind of started thinking maybe there was an opportunity for you within the business? Well, the the president of Portland Glass actually sort of became a mentor to me. And I, I think he saw my knack for the business well before I knew about it or or realized that I had potential opportunity in front of me. So he sort of started placing me in the right direction. So, I mean, honestly, it was a couple of years in before I, I knew that it was something that I was really good at. And then both he and I started on accident or, or unbeknownst to me, <laughs> the right way to word this, Andrew, but placing me with more responsibility in order to, at some point, take over and or buy the location from them. So he was really kind of grooming you for the opportunity to to take over without you really even knowing it. He sort of took me under his wing from day one, knew that he was going to groom me. I just didn't know. I was young and naive and just excited to be part of a big company and, and trying to set the world on fire. And he directed me in, in the right in the right way. And how were you doing in that role? You say I was sort of young and naive and ready to set the world on fire. Were you kind of succeeding in that role? Were you doing well? Do you feel like you had brought kind of some energy to the company or how how did you feel it was going yourself? I think I was doing a very good job where our sales were way up. We were far exceeding the New Hampshire and Vermont location. And again, it probably was a combination of being the fact that our headquarters was there. And Portland Glass is so well-established that it was helping to piggyback, but I, I definitely had something to prove. I wanted to to, to make something of, of the company and within that three-year span set a pretty good name for ourselves in the industry. Nice. So at what point are you approached to actually buy the franchise? I one day went into the president's office and, and said that I was thinking about looking toward that direction. He was all for it and kind of hinted that it's about time I brought it to his attention. And so what was that? What, what were the next steps? Kind of what was that process like? Oh, it was, it was a lot of work. Us being a franchise adds quite a bit of complexity to taking over a business. It's not, you know, just sign it over. There's a lot of behind the scenes legal stuff. So I, I, I got a lawyer and a couple of accountants to look at some things for me and started down that path that way. How old were you at this point? I believe I just turned 28. So you're 28 years old. You're buying a business that you've essentially been sort of working in and, and growing for the past couple of years anyway. Did you, were you excited? Were you scared? You know, what, what were you kind of feeling as you were going through this process? Um, being naive to a lot of it, I was, I was excited. 
I was kind of curtailed a little bit when I spoke to a couple of accountants and laid out the numbers. They did not think it was going to be a good idea. Didn't think the numbers would work, mainly because as a corporate location, we had access to a few programs that I would not have once I took over. So I, in essence, would be starting fresh. I'd obviously have the, the, the contacts that I made, but I would not have the program work that was currently with, with, the, uh, with the group. What does that mean, the program work? So as a franchise, we have national account work with certain insurance companies. And when you switch ownership, they have to vet you. You can't just take ownership and then assume that you're going to keep that same amount of work. They have, you have to prove your worth before they'll allow you back into the program. Got it. And so the accountants are telling you not to do it. This isn't a good idea. Did you think about backing out? Did you, or did that kind of bring you to reality of being scared? What did that do for you? Again, I, I felt like I had something to prove and because they, they were saying no, made me want to do it even more. And again, that's probably being young and naive, but I, I wanted to go for it. I was, you know, at the same time I'd, I'd wake up in the morning dry heaving, wondering how I was going to get any work if I was going to make it. Cause it was a, obviously a big, big financial undertaking to, to, to take this over. So it was scary, overwhelming. Amazing. Every emotion you could ever imagine. Nice. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk with Ben a little bit more about what buying that franchise was like and some of the challenges and successes he's seen since doing so. We'll be right back. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it. A story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. It was hard. I mean, um, I was in an industry where I was by far the youngest. My group of friends, I was the only entrepreneur. So it was lonely at times, but... I, I just kind of thrived on that. So we are back with Ben Berenger talking about what it was like to to buy a franchise of Rainbow International when he was 28 years old after being told no by a few different people. So Ben, when you bought the franchise, essentially the business was you, your father and your brother, if I have this correct, kind of a true family business. So I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned earlier, your father had owned his own company. It was in construction, which is a little bit what you guys had to deal with as you were out and about in the field. Did that previous business experience that he brought to the table help you out at all? Honestly, the timing of all that is what made it work. I was fortunate enough to have a father that had my back. He had just retired recently before the purchase of the the company, sat him down, told him what I wanted to do. And he, he definitely backed me. He was all in. My brother worked for the company at the time, so I took him on as an employee. So I had the family background, and I guess that made it maybe a little bit easier knowing that the, the people that worked for me were blood. The, the, the vested interest was there just because of family, and it, it did work out. And, and honestly, the, the lessons he learned over the years were invaluable. Obviously, he, he wanted to make sure that I didn't make some of the same mistakes he did, so it it was a huge help. It was an immense help, actually. Nice. So what what was the biggest challenge when you first took ownership of the franchise? What did you struggle with the most? Honestly, 
mean, aside from the normal challenges every opportunity or every entrepreneur will face, this industry is definitely a good old boys industry where experience and expertise reigns king. And it's, it was extremely difficult because I was the young, the young buck and they didn't think I knew anything. The insurance companies were, were nervous to give work to a new company, a young company, and then my competitors. So that was, it was very difficult to overcome that. So how do you, how do you overcome that? How do you, I mean, you had experience between, to your point, working for your father's construction company. You had been in the insurance industry when you were working with Allstate. So you definitely, it sounds like sort of had some of that experience. How do you assuage those fears of the insurance companies to really kind of start getting some work coming in the door? There's a lot of credentialing in our industry that you can get a lot of initials after the name. So I went full on, got everything that I could possibly get. And then some, I got to the point where I was credentialed higher than anyone else in the state on most things. And I still continue to do that just to set a name for ourselves because, you know, your everyday experience will hold weight, but the letters after your name to the insurance companies, it trumps a lot of other things. So having those letters, I just went to town. I got every schooling, every read every book I could, and I got every certification that I could possibly get. Just working on your continuing education. Were there any mentors that kind of helped you understand what you were getting into and were there to sort of help answer questions for you as you were going on this journey? Yes and no. I, I mean, I had obviously the mentor from from Portland Glass. He was amazing and, and coached me on, he was extremely good with numbers and, and the business side of things. And then obviously my dad was a huge backer and just having his approval was a huge um, plus for me, but it was hard. I mean, um, I was in an industry where I was by far the youngest. In my group of friends, I was the only entrepreneur. So it was lonely at times, but I, I just kind of thrived on that. It, it, it helped push me through. As weird as that sounds, I, I, I did better because I didn't have anyone to relate with. So I wanted to make something for myself. Interesting. And so... At this point, you've owned Rainbow for more or less 12 years, essentially. Is that right? Yeah, I, would just, I think we just passed our 12th year. And so how has the business grown over the last 12 years? It's one of those things I don't really want to say it out loud. Case curses it, but we've grown every year, obviously, except the first year of COVID. That was just a little bit of a learning curve. Didn't know what was going to happen. But realistically, went from one employee now to almost 15. I should say a team of 15. So now I actually have a general manager that pretty much runs the show for me. Have you grown in the services that you you offer to clients or do you kind of stay true to the what you mentioned earlier, the kind of structure damage and mold that you work on? I mean, we do dabble in other aspects because it just we have to be a kind of a jack of all trades, but we definitely have focused on the specialties. Our specialty or my specialty is definitely mold. So I've got this high credentialing in, in that, that field so I can get, and it's, it's definitely better for us to, to stay in our lane. We know it really well. We know how to perform those tasks and get the jobs done. So we, we, we pretty much stayed to the, to our tried and true field focus. In those 12 years, have the relationships that you struggled with initially with some of the insurance agencies and agents grown, gotten better, strengthened? How do you feel like that aspect of the business has worked for you? It's, it's good. We actually, I have a, a beer once in a while with a few of our competitors and, and that does come up and we laugh about it now, but how, how difficult and hard they were in the beginning on me to now, it's, it's, it's definitely a joke between a few of us. 
we have, we've, we've grown tighter, I guess we're, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you don't need to be competitors. You can be allies with the same focus. So we, we definitely become closer with those people. Ben, you work in an industry that seems like it would be kind of really emotionally charged. You talked about fire damage. You've talked about water damage. Things like that are definitely stressful on people going through kind of difficult times. How do you work through that with your clients? How do you manage to kind of not take that emotion on yourself? Do you struggle with that at all? I do. I had no idea this industry had so much emotion along with it. I mean, we see people losing their entire home, literally every keepsake that they own or have had memories, kids growing up, pictures, family photo. We've also had people lose their lives in the fires. It's, it's extremely emotional. It's, it's definitely the hardest part of my job. Actually, quite recently, my general manager had a fire at his house. He lost everything, including fortunately their two dogs. So to answer your question, yeah, it, it, I take the emotion on maybe to a fault, but it also has made me better at my job, um, not to mention being a better human, just in general, father, husband, all of that. It's, it's a lot and it's, it's hard not to take it home. It's hard not to take it personal, but in the long run, we're, we're there to try and help them and get them back to square one and, you know, we save as much as possible, but also help them through it. We sort of become, a lot of times we become very close with the people, especially during a fire. How do you, what you said, it makes me better at my job in what way? I think it's easy in this industry to just get callous to it because we see so much of it. I don't have that tendency. I'm, I'm definitely an empath, overly sensitive in general. So I, I feel for the people. It's not just a job I want. I generally want them to feel better through the whole process. So whatever we can do, it's not just about getting the job done. It's how do we make how do we make them feel better? How do we make them happy? Is there anything that we can do above and beyond? It just, as cliche as that sounds, it really does matter. And at the end of the job, if you feel good about it, then it's more than just a job. So what are some of the biggest growing pains that you remember as you've, you know, took this on at 28, you've been doing it for 12 years now. What are some of the growing pains that you experienced along the way? I mean, every decision is hard at the time when you're going through it, you know, being in that moment, it's always, it's always just a, a hard decision at the time, no matter how big or small. But I think in general, my biggest struggle was deciding when to hire my first employee, obviously other than my brother, but first person that wasn't family that, that I needed to make sure I was putting food on their table. That was a, that's a big, that's a big responsibility. It's scary. I've heard that from other entrepreneurs. They'll talk about the day they hired their first employee and feeling like they were almost taking their family on as their own. Can you share with us what went well as you grew? I'm hope I mean, you're still here, so I imagine some things must have gone really well for the company. So what did what do you feel looking back now that you guys did well as you were growing? Honestly, I learned probably the best lesson from my father and he he's an amazing man who you know, he He's very much a people person. Uh, his network of friends and, and colleagues is extremely vast. I always learned that, you know, you take that extra time, you listen to people, you, you, if you really care about people, your network grows. And I think that's what has enabled us to succeed is the fact that 
we've got a great circle of colleagues, friends, become family, all of that. Um, we've got a lot of cheerleaders out there. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. It's easy as an entrepreneur to just get focused on business decisions, make the business decision, what is right for the business at that given moment. But what really comes down to it is, you know, relationships. If you can focus more on that, your network will grow, which means your business will flourish. It's, it's not all about business. Sometimes it's about people. And if you looking back now, if you could talk to yourself 12 years ago after talking with the accountants who said not to do it and all of that stuff, would you still tell yourself to take that leap and buy the, buy the franchise? You know me, Andrea, I'm, I'm a risk taker. So I would say, yeah, jump, but definitely listen to your gut. Your gut tells you a lot. I've learned, you know, I've learned over the years to, if your gut's telling you something, you need to acknowledge it. You really do. But yeah, I would take the risk. What advice do you have for young entrepreneurs who are, you know, looking down the barrel maybe of an opportunity to start a business or buy a business or, or buy a franchise like yourself? What advice do you have for, for young entrepreneurs that are looking at that opportunity? As weird as this sounds, I would say, wake up early, go to the gym. Those are the people that you want to surround yourself with. Self-disciplined, they have the perseverance, learn those skills. It's what you'll need to push through those hard times that will come. It's, you will always have hard times, but it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take the self-discipline. It'll take the, the accepting of those challenges and growing from them, but also learn to enjoy the uncomfortable because the most great things in life only come from pushing beyond your comfort level. This has been a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank. The MainBiz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Allison Mason, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing design by Matt Selva. Subscribe to the MainBiz podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2022.